0: I'd like you to take the Word of God, please, and turn with me in the Old Testament Took the book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and we'll begin reading with verse 1 in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. All of us have a philosophy for life. We all have developed some way of thinking about life. Those of us who are Christians, and I trust I'm speaking to everyone in this audience, must realize that our philosophy, what we think about life and how we behave in our lives, ought to grow out of our theology. It ought to come out of what we know about God. This is the only way that the Lord wants it to be done. If you develop some philosophy for life and then try to make your theology match it, you're going to create real problems for yourself and Everyone else who knows you seeks to follow you. Our philosophy must grow out of our theology, what we know about God. We say that our theology is biblical because everything we know about our God, He reveals to us in His Word. This Bible is the revelation of God to us. Every man who's ever lived knows there's a God by conscience and creation. If he denies the existence of God... He's working against his own, creation, his own conscience and working against what God has testified in creation. But he does not know what that God is truly like without someone telling him from God's word and without that man reading God's word what God has told us of himself in his word, the Bible. And of course, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we see dwelling all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we have 66 wonderful books in this book. Each of them is about God. What does the book of Genesis tell us about God? The book of Exodus tells us about God. The book of Leviticus tells us about God. The book of Numbers tells us about God. The book of Deuteronomy tells us about God. All of these books tell us something about God so that we put all 66 of them together, we get the complete written revelation of what God wants us to know about himself. It's not everything God knows, but it's everything God wants us to know about him as he reveals himself in his word. God makes no attempt to prove that he exists. He simply reveals to us the God who does exist in his word. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim's. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew on the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us then said I here am I send me if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible I want you to mark an expression if you would please found in the very first verse the Lord high and lifted up The Lord, high and lifted up. Often we speak of great men. We really should be speaking about our great God. And the men who have blessed us and been a blessing, the men like Dr. Rice, Dr. Hudson, and others through the years who have been a tremendous encouragement and blessing to us, men like Dr. Lee Robertson, are men who have seen this God, this Lord, high and lifted up. Everything in life, everything we do, everything we believe, everything we engage in, everything we give our lives to is directly connected to our vision of God. Dr. Robertson is famous for saying everything rises or falls on leadership. But we also understand that leadership rises or falls on our vision of God. If our vision of God is what it ought to be, then our leadership will be what it ought to be. If our vision of God is not what it ought to be, then our leadership will not be what it ought to be. Often we say, there's something I don't like. There's some sound in music I don't like. There's something we don't want in our churches. I and say, that's something that I, I don't want any part of. But that's not the real problem. The real problem is, had not people lost their vision of God, the Lord, high, holy, exalted, and lifted up. They could never do things like that. The Bible says God created man in his image. What we see happening before our very eyes is man creating God in his image. And we create a God that we can deal with and put in our pocket and pull out when we want to pull him out. We can use him when we desire to use him. We can get from him what we want from him. The whole idea about prayer is what we can get from God Instead of hearing God and what we can pray for the Lord, we have it all reversed. The Bible teaches us that it all begins with God. Everything begins with God. Prayer begins with God. Soul winning begins with God. The worship service in our church begins with God. As a matter of fact, every hymn we begin with should be about God, not about what we do. We should not start the service with will work till Jesus comes. We should start the meeting with my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We should talk about our God and praise our God and thank our God for who He is and what He's done for us and then we should talk about what we're going to do for the Lord. Everything depends on our Lord, high, holy, exalt, and lift it up. you have a big God or a little God? Donald Gray Barnhouse, the famous Presbyterian preacher, as a young man went back to Princeton Seminary to speak in chapel and One of the great theologians who happened to be one of his teachers when he was there came to hear him speak, Robert Dick Wilson. And and Professor Wilson said after the chapel service had concluded, I won't be back to hear you again. And Barnhouse thought he'd done something terribly wrong. And he said, may I ask why? And he said, I come to hear my students to find out if their God is a big God or a little God. When I find out that their God is a big God, then I know that everything else about their lives and ministry will care for itself. I want want to give you this thesis that everything we do, everything we are, everything we engage in, everything is affected by our vision of God. The high, holy, lifted up Lord of the Bible The Bible says when God spoke to Moses with that burning bush, the first type of the nation of Israel persecuted but not consumed, that Moses came back. And Moses told the people about that God. In Exodus chapter 4, the Bible says, And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction... Then they bowed their heads and worshipped. Think of that. They didn't say, let's run and do something. When Moses told them about God, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Even if the President of the United States walked in this audience, we'd all stand to our feet and applaud. At least I hope we would. I'm praying for him. I'm praying that he'd be reelected. And I know you feel the same way, but what we need in America is not a political revival. We need a spiritual revival. But if the Lord Jesus Christ made his appearance here, we wouldn't stand to our feet. We'd fall on our faces. We'd bow our heads and fall on our faces and worship God. Often we satisfy ourselves as preachers talking about what's wrong with the world. And we have our litany of sermons we go through about everything that we don't like about America. And we we feel like this world has hurt our church. But we're all wrong. The world has not hurt the church. The church has hurt the world. I want to show you something of an Old Testament prophet before we come back here. From the book of Hosea, chapter 4, if you'll turn there, please, in verse 1. The Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. I want to stop to ask you a question. Where is the truth? Where is the truth supposed to come from to get into our land? Well, the Bible says... That the New Testament church, this local assembly of baptized believers, is the pillar and ground of the truth. If you see something out there and you say, well, they, they, they're going on in darkness, why, why? It's our responsibility to get the truth to them. The Bible says by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery and breaking out and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beast of the field with the fowls of the heaven. Yea, the fish of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night. And I will destroy thy mother. Whatever's producing this, whatever's bringing this about, Wherever it's coming from, your mother, I'm going to destroy your mother. I'm going right to the source. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I also will forget thy children. God says, do you understand that what you do with me and my word determines what I do with you and your children? I say to you that the church, the church is hurting the world by withholding from the world the vision of God that we should be seeing to tell them what our God is truly like. He is high and lifted up; before Him we bow our heads and fall on our faces. He is high and exalted. Our vision of God. Would you write it down? Our vision of God. That's where we must begin. Our vision of God. Our vision of God will serve as the discerning process for everything else we do. See, our Lord is a consuming fire. And our God, our God is a God from whose light, who is light. Our God, this consuming fire, helps us to understand everything else. We often talk about man centered and Christ centered. The truth of the matter is, as a matter of fact, I've been hearing everything about what you and I want to hear since I've gotten here. Every preacher I've heard has preached against drama, preached against two or three preachers against screens and preaching all the things. Why, why do we even say those things? What do we understand about those things? What is it really about? Is it about, is it about contemporary music? Is it about those kinds of things? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I appreciate all the brethren. Everything they said is encouragement. Help me. You see, in the presence of a holy God, when we see him high and holy, exalted, lifted up, when our vision of God is what it ought to be, then we see everything for what it ought to be. It all begins with God. And do you go to some places and see people the way they dress in a so-called worship service, and you see them singing Songs, they say, are Christian, and you wonder why they're doing it. They're doing it because somebody lost sight of who God is in the presence of a holy God, high, exalted, and lifted up. That couldn't be done. It's because they've recreated God in their image, and they brought him down low. Then they can behave like that in the presence of that kind of God. Oh, but if they'd met the God Moses met in the desert, they'd be on their faces and taking their shoes off. If they'd met the God Joshua met when he was about to take Jericho, they'd be on their faces with their shoes off. You see, the great heart of the issue is that we have lost sight of who God truly is. High, holy, exalted up. You see, it all begins with God. It all begins with God. Look what the Bible says. When a church has a vision of the Lord as he is, as he is, then they can do what God wants them to do. But only as they have a vision of God. If you're having trouble with anything, trouble deciding, trouble discerning, it all has to do with who God is. The Lord clears that. I want you to write this down. The clearer our vision of God, the clearer everything else will be. And you start trying to clear up everything else without having a clear vision of God, it just all gets confusing. Young people are trying to find a church where they can relax, they're trying to find a place where they can be at ease, they can be themselves. Not just young people, lots of people. In a church like the church I pastor, we have people like that come and go. As a matter of fact, there's probably a dozen churches in our area that couldn't exist if they didn't have our members in them. We all know how that is. We all know how that is. And by the way, some of them have gone to good places and they're serving God faithfully, and I'm very happy about that. Some of them aren't in those kind of places. You see, we all go through these things, but the clearer our vision of God the clearer everything else is. Imagine this. Imagine someone saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is co-equal, co-existent, eternally existent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus Christ is the creator God. I believe that Jesus Christ, according to the word of God, spoke the world into existence. I believe that Jesus Christ, the Jesus of the New Testament, is the same as the Jehovah of the Old. I believe when Moses saw him who is invisible, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ who is eternal God in the person of God's Son. I believe that Jesus Christ is God. And God became man without ceasing to be God. He was robed in flesh to go to Calvary and bleed and die for my sins, to be buried in a borrowed tomb and come forth from the grave alive evermore. And by His power, He came forth bodily from the grave. And our God arose from the grave, ascended to heaven. He ever liveth on the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Jesus Christ is God. Now, if you don't believe that, you can't be saved. But imagine somebody saying, "I'm a Christian." but I really don't want to get serious about following Christ. I'm saying to you, how in this world can anybody believe what is necessary to be a Christian and then say they would not follow God himself in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus? We have all kinds of discipleship programs. And I'm happy about all. We have ours. I've written a book just to teach people to have Timothy teams to teach people. But you know, It's it's not about going through courses and getting certificates and finishing a course. It's simply about seeing the Lord and following the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God, high, holy, exalted, and lifted up. You you hear something sometimes that's a little strange. it, It does something to your spirit. And you wonder, what's wrong here? What's wrong is the nearer you get to God and seeing God for who he is, high and lifted up, the clearer you understand everything else. When these people who say they're Christians are running off somewhere where they want it different, what they're doing, they're taking the man-centered approach instead of the Christ-centered approach. And may God help us. You say, how can I deal with that? Get a vision of God yourself. The man is a blessing. The woman is a blessing. The father is the father you ought to be. The mother is a mother should ought to be. The young preacher is a preacher you ought to be. The son is teacher. The son is going to teacher ought to be. The bus worker. The bus worker you ought to be. These are all people who see the Lord high, holy, exalted, and lifted up. I want you to write this down. We serve God because of, not in order to. People don't understand that. But we serve the Lord because of what He has done for us and because of who he is. Not not to try to get something from God. I'm motivated. I'm motivated because of who God is and what God has done for me. And I serve the Lord with freedom. I'm as free as a bird. You never saw a bird fly any freer than I'm feeling in my heart. I'm free in Jesus Christ to do anything God wants me to do. I'm free. Hallelujah. Thank God. I'm free to obey him, free to please him, free to do anything in his will. I don't feel like I'm in bondage. I'm I'm not doing what I do for God to get somebody's merit. I serve the Lord because of what he's done for me and because of who he is. I serve the Lord because of, not in order to. Look what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 45, before we go back to the sixth chapter. The Lord speaks of himself, and he says in verse 18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it, he created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together. Ye that are escaped of the nations, they have no knowledge that have set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord, and there is no God else beside me? a just God and a Savior. There's none beside me. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn to myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. He said, I am God and there is none else. I want to ask you something. How big is your God? People talk about folks' faith. Look, faith Faith is defined, faith is defined in Hebrews chapter 12. It's described in Hebrews chapter 11 as a substance of things, hoped for the evidence of things not seen. It's defined in Hebrews chapter 12 looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. When you see God for who he is, when our vision of God is right, then you're going to believe that that God can do all things. It's not about finding what we ought to do out there. It's finding what we ought to do when we see the Lord high, exalted, and lifted up. That's what it's about. Do you see him? Holy, exalted, high, and lifted up. May God help us here. May God help us. Isaiah chapter 6, a troubled prophet, this messianic messenger, goes into the temple In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. I love that. Circle that word throne. Look, the reins of the world, the reins of the universe are still in God's hands. He hasn't gotten shaky at all. It doesn't really make any difference who wins the presidency of the United States. God is still on the throne. When Bill Clinton was elected for a second term, I think some Christians thought the Lord was on vacation. God is still on the throne. He saw him seated, not scrambling about, seated upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. That train was what a king would wear, and the longer the train, the more royal and regal the king. Isaiah says, I see the Lord, and his train is like nothing I've never seen. It completely fills the temple. And the Bible says, above it stood seraphims, the only time it's used. This seraph is the singular, seraphim's the plural. Seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain, he covered his face. Think of that. Not to look upon God's glory. With twain, he covered his feet. Think of that. The humility in God's presence. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, 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 thrice holy. Holy God the Father. Holy God the Son. Holy God the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When I, when I see people with this so-called praise music and I, and I see these praise bands, I pity them. I pity them. I pity them because they have such a small God. They do not see the Lord high and lifted up. They don't, do not see a God who is holy before whom you take your shoes off. They don't don't see a God before whom they ought to bow with bowed heads. They've lost sight of our God and who he is. And who do you think ought to be letting this unbelieving world know who God truly is? Those of us who say we believe the Bible because the Bible is our source of knowledge about God. May God help us. The Bible says in one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. The place was shaken by the presence of God. I, I wish I could just stay here and over and over take one scenario after another and say, Is this what you're dealing with? He said, I don't know what to do. You say, I'm having a problem with my son. Get the right vision of God. God will tell you what to do about your boy. You say, what do you mean? Jesus said in John chapter 2 and verse 25, he knew what was in man. We don't learn about men studying men. We learn about men knowing God. You say, I, I, I've got decisions to make in this church and I'm trying to weigh it out. Don't weigh it out, pray it out. Look, see the Lord high, holy, exalted, lifted up and God will show you what steps to take. You say, is that really? That's Christian. That's Christian. And by the way, in His presence is fullness of joy. We'll talk about that in a moment. Sometimes I just want to stand up and say, where's the joy Jesus promised? It's in Jesus. Not in all this trapping that we add to the Lord Jesus. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our vision of God. You take anything people want to discuss, and I'm sure, and and I love every person that's, that's on this program. I love them all. I love them all. And we're all teachable. I believe any man that wants to be used of God is teachable. I remember one of my spiritual fathers, Dr. Frank Sells, who was in his 80s, a Presbyterian. Many of you know Dr. Sells. Brother Mattingly is here. Brother Mattingly is a man to encourage him to do this. uh, Dr. Sells was in his 80s. He's a Presbyterian. And uh, Brother Mattingly talked to him about following Christ in baptism by immersion and becoming a Baptist, joining a Baptist church. Dr. Sells a man loved God. Doc Sell says, Brother Madeline believes I'm living in disobedience now that he showed me from God's word that I ought to follow Christ in baptism by immersion. He said, what do you think about it? I said, well, I believe he showed you something that's true from God's word. And there's an 85-year-old man who taught the Bible all his life, all his life, who was willing to obey Christ in baptism. Let me tell you something. Anytime you meet a man who's been in the presence of God, he's a teachable man. You see, our God is high and lifted up. But what we see is so much men high and lifted up. We live in a nation of empty kings. Empty kings. And may God help us. I'm preaching to me. Empty kings. May the Lord help us. All these things, There's never never anybody comes in our auditorium our attorney says, why don't you have screens? And I'm not picking on people that do. But I want to talk to you about something. I want you to, I want you to write three things down. And I want to help you. There's, there's nothing sinful about screens. That's the silliest thing in the world. Somebody get up and say screens are sinful. Nothing sinful about screens. But well, let's talk it out a minute. I want you to write three things down. Look how the Lord clears this up. I want you to write in, in three columns message, methods, means. Right across the top. In the left, message. In the center, methods. In the third column, means. Let me just talk to you for a moment. The message must always be biblical. There's not a man in this room that wouldn't agree with that. Not one man here that wouldn't agree with that. must always be biblical. We must preach the Word of God. Handle the Word of God. Take the proper methods of biblical interpretation and in its context, tell people, thus saith the Lord. Not what the Bible means to you, but what the Bible means. Amen. And we can know what the Bible means, what the Bible says. It must always be the Bible. Preach about, Not about the Bible, but the Bible. The methods must also always be biblical. They can never change. Biblical methods are prayer. Biblical methods are one who knows, telling one who does not know. Biblical methods could be things like the Lord Jesus said, all right, fellas, I'm sending seven you out, 70 of you out, two by two. When you come back, I want you to tell me. They came back and said, you never guess what happened. We saw the devil fall. And he said, oh, that's good, but I want to tell you, you ought to be happier about this than anything else that your name's written in heaven. That's a biblical method. He stopped along, talked to them, taught them. Biblical methods. There's even biblical methods in organizational structure, the way he fed the 5,000 by 50s and 100s and giving to the disciples what they needed. They all had to come to him for the bread. But means, the message never changes, the methods never change, but means change. Let's understand what we're talking about. I, I drove over here, if I'd, if I'd been 100 years earlier, I'd have ridden in a buggy and a horse and taken a lot longer to get here. Different means. The vehicle, the means can never take the place of the message or the biblical methods, Never. The means can never become the message. Cannot become the message. Uh, we have internet uh, websites. Some of you have been on those websites, faithofthefamily.com, templebaptistchurch.com, and we live stream our services around the world. That, that's a wonderful tool God's given us. And there are biblical methods and means employed there. But, but we find ourselves, if we're not careful, using such graphic things... To illustrate and all, we could lose the content of the message if we're not careful in dressing it up. So, for instance, we went in all Olney, England and in all you had uh, the all hymns written by uh, Cowper, spelled Cooper, but he uh, uh, is pronounced Cooper, but spelled Cowper, and and uh, John John Newton, and uh, perhaps one day Newton said. Uh, Listen, William, I, I got a tune here I want you to hear. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. A poem, I once was lost, but now i am found. Was blind, but now I see. And he went on, and maybe Cooper said, that's great. That's great, John. How'd you like this one I wrote? There's a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. He said, I love it. Now, let's imagine somebody putting music to that. The thing that was important to those men was getting the truth out. Remember Jesus said to the woman in John chapter 4 that worship me must worship in spirit and in truth. Truth can only be expressed in words. That's why you had a a piano offertory in a church. It should always be a hymn or hymn transcription that somebody knows the words to so that when they're playing it, they're giving God the glory, thinking about the goodness of God. If it's not something like that, then they're just thinking all the time, that guy can play, that woman can play, how great they are, not how great God is. It'll be something because only words can be used to worship God because only words can express the truth. But imagine somebody, and by the way, early on, we made, some, uh, we made some CDs with the Crown College Choir, 180 voice choir, and we, we got to the place we just wanted to add more orchestration and more orchestration and more orchestration, and I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're, we care more about how it sounds and what it says. All I'm saying is, we have a screen in our church and we show missionary slides on. It's a great tool to do that. But the use of those things can never take the place of the message. The means and the media can never become the message. I don't believe there's a man in this room that's doing that. But I do believe with all of my heart that the next generation that gets a hold of some of those things will pervert them and use them if we don't warn them. I believe that with all of my heart. And must be careful. As a matter of fact, Somebody's going to say one of these days when they walk into a church somewhere where somebody just takes the Bible and preaches and sings the great old hymns, somebody's going to walk in and say, look, I discovered something new. Honestly. Message must always be biblical. Methods must always be biblical. Means, they change. But be very careful about distracting from the message I was giving this lecture to a group of young men who were studying for the ministry, and I had a captain in the Marine Corps jump up and a fellow who's been 20 years with Motorola jump up and he said, I gotta say something, I gotta say something. I said, Fine. The fellow who'd been in the Marine Corps said, You know, we gave all these presentations to the officers, and finally they said, Wait a minute, you guys spend weeks on how it looks, but we can't get the content. Forget about how it looks. Give it to us on a sheet of paper in black and white. We'd rather have that than all this beautiful presentation. You've lost the idea that what you're conveying to us is a message. The guy from Motorola laughed and he said, same thing happened with us. We got before all the heads of the departments and we were giving this beautiful presentation we worked on for over a month. And the chief executive officer stopped us and said, wait a minute, cut through all that. You've gotten more concerned about the presentation than you have what you're presenting. Those of us who know God's word, believe God's word, like men you hear preach in this conference, must always work and preach with vigilance, warning a generation of people not to take something and make a message out of it that God never intended for it to be a message. Every one of us. And I'm confident that every man that comes across this pulpit would do just that. But the Lord, the Lord must be high. And lift it up. You see, we live in a world of morals, a world that doesn't have a fixed point of reference. We do, it's the Bible. We live in a world of laws. So you have morals, you have law, and you have what is biblical. The morals are constantly getting worse, aren't they? And people challenge a law because. Immoral things have become so acceptable they'll challenge a law and the law will be rewritten to adapt to those immoral ways. We see it happening every day. What God has called us to do, and, and gentlemen and ladies, this is our task. We must live and work and preach in a world that is adrift morally and even things that are legal, that are not biblical, and take the word of God and show people this is what the Bible says. It's what the Bible says. And may God help us. See, kids like toys. And uh, some young preachers are going to take some things and run with them much further than we ever imagined if we don't constantly, vigilantly warn them about these things. And may God help us to do it. We must see the Lord high and lifted up. When you do that, by the way, I heard three preachers preach against drama already this week. I guess everybody's going to do it. Why would you say that? Why would you say that? You know, these uh, hyperboles that that are from the pulpit just throwing things out without understanding sometimes. And I know the men who say them understand them, but why would you say that? You know, when God made you, he made you spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. In your spirit is the candle of the Lord. In your spirit is where God dwells. When you're regenerated, the Holy Ghost lives there. In your soul, you have intellect, emotion, and will. In your body, you have five senses. When you make a decision, it involves intellect, emotion, and will. You have to be very careful about theatrical things that can bypass through dramatic presentation the intellect. And you're just moving on the emotion. Be very careful. Guard that. Guard that. I fear that a generation of young preachers will take that much further than was ever intended. Plus, according to the first and second commandments, I don't believe anyone should be playing the part of Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to pick a fight. But when you see the Lord high, holy, exalted, and lifted up, then no man, no man can play his part. No man. When you fasten that image in the mind of a child, You've done something to overemphasize humanity and de-emphasize deity. It's a very dangerous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. What I'm telling you, you can't run around with a sheet of paper and some sort of catalog about everything that's wrong because it's like Dr. Hutchins used to say, God doesn't say in his word, thou shalt not smoke camel cigarettes. And there are a million and one things like that popping up all the time. How do we become discerning people? We must see the Lord high and lifted up. When we see God as we should see God, then God gives clarity to all these other things. Our vision of God. Our vision of self. Look at it. The Bible says in chapter 6, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. How did he know he had unclean lips? How did he know his people were a people of unclean lips? All of that was revealed to him in the presence of a holy God. I won't take the time to read the third chapter of Romans, but I want you to know that God's verdict on this world is that they've lost fear of God. The whole world is guilty. Where we do not see God as we ought to see God, there's no fear of God. We live in a world where there's very little integrity. I tell our young people when they go work in a church, they say, what advice do you have for me? I said, don't look for a great preacher. Look for a man who has integrity. And if you read the book of Job, you're going to find out the reason Job had his integrity is because he feared the Lord. Do you understand that? Integrity was not the goal. God was the goal. And when he feared God, he had integrity. And when you see a man who doesn't have integrity, who won't tell the truth, who won't be honest, it's not that he's a man who won't be truthful and honest. It's a man who does not see God high and lifted up. Because if he saw God high and lifted up, he'd have integrity because from that vision of God, he'd fear the Lord and see himself as he truly is. It all comes out of that. It all begins with God. He is always previous. It all begins with God. You know, I'll tell you, I have no axe to grind here. I'm I'm not worked up about anything except this. I've seen this great movement take a left turn, and you have too. I'm 55 years old. I've been preaching 37 years. I've been preaching these sword conferences for about 25 years. Not as long as some of you, but for 25 years. And I'm saying, may God help us as friends who love one another and cherish each other's friendship. May we say we're going to guard and vigilantly do all we can to encourage others when we're bringing these young people along to say, let's see the Lord for who He is. And He'll keep us on track. Then we'll get a vision of ourselves. You see, there is no good news until there's bad news. If you try to give people the good news without the bad news, it's no news at all. Why do men need a Savior? Because they're sinners. He said, woe is me, for I am undone. This is it. You see, it is, it is the Lord high and lifted up. Why Do you know that I've had to pray and pray and pray and i praying with every breath that God will help me preach and say what I'm saying in the right spirit because I mean no man any harm. I just love this work and love this man and love this ministry and love what God's given me to do. And my heart hurts when young couples walk off and say, I'm going somewhere where I can wear pants to church. I'm going somewhere where I can have a a little more freedom. I'm going somewhere where they got a praise band going on. That's not the problem. The problem is they've lost sight of a holy God. That's, That's what's wrong. And our preaching needs to reflect that. We've got to be more concerned about people being impressed with God than we are being impressed with us and our ministries. And when they are, they'll see the Lord high and lifted up. We've got some wonderful schools, and there's not just one good school. There's wonderful schools and wonderful churches, and many of them I'm still thankful to God to be an independent Baptist and promote independent Baptist causes. And I believe independent Baptist boys and girls ought to grow up and marry independent Baptist boys and girls. I love that. And I love the ministry. I love what God's given me to do. I remember writing a book on the home, and I put on the cover of it a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. This has just been a few years ago. And a man took that book and said, let me teach you something. You know, it was hard to swallow that I should change that book cover. It's beautiful. But he said Christ has already passed his humiliation. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, the summary of all things, he's exalted high and lifted up. I've actually come to the conviction if somebody was playing the part of Jesus in something, I'd have to get up and walk out. I'd try to do it kindly without notice. But I could not stand the grieving of my spirit to watch somebody play the part of Jesus Christ. No man should be trying to play the part of Jesus Christ you're surely going to have some representation of something that you don't see his face, some, some cloaked or shadowed something in, in some type of literature. I, I'm, not, I'm not pressing against that. But if we see God for who God is, we can't make images like that of God. Amen. Moses worshipped him who is invisible. That's because the only way you can worship him is through faith, through faith. And my heart hurts to think, where some of this may go, my heart hurts. And I'm confident that all of you, listen, you don't need to be trying to find out what the next PowerPoint program is and how you can elaborate every message you preach with every kind of picture imaginable on the screens. And all. You, don't, you don't need that. It doesn't need to be turned into a movie theater. You don't need that. If you want to use something for something to, to reinforce, and give Bible verse something, Nobody's going to fault you for that to show mission. Nobody's going to, nobody in their right mind is going to fault you for that. But to turn the whole meeting into something like that and, and to make people think they're coming to, and the media becomes a mess, you've got to be careful because the sinfulness of men will not nearly be so sinful once the holiness of God is lost. The fear of sin will be removed when, when the holiness of God is gone. You see, we're victims of our own means. Some of the things we've done have hardened and crusted people. We've made God little. So why should they respond to a little God? There's no urgency on them. They don't see themselves sinful. We have a university campus, 26,000 students in Knoxville, Tennessee. I graduated from the University of Tennessee. And we go down and give that gospel literature. Listen, you can't start with the good news. You've got to start with the Ten Commandments you got to start with something about sin. These people don't think they're sinners. If they're having something and doing it protected or if they're drinking but not drinking so much that they're abusing somebody else, if they get drunk at home, that's okay. They don't have any idea. The only way to make men aware of sin is that they must know there's a holy God. Our vision of self comes out of our vision of God and how we see our need of him. That's why if a man doesn't have compassion, it's because he doesn't see the Lord as you ought to see the Lord. Amen. Our Savior is approachable. He could drive out the money changers, but little children came into his presence and without hesitation ran into his lap. Think of that. What a wonderful Savior we have. He said, woe is me. Then notice the third thing, our vision of service. You can't serve God until there's been forgiveness. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me. Having a live cold his hand, but you're taken with the tongs from off the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. That altar, that altar for us is the Lord Jesus. That altar is a place of sacrifice. That altar is his shed blood for our sins. The Old Testament types of the sacrifice, of course, in the New Testament, our suffered suffering, bleed and died for our sins. You see, you see yourself undone. Undone in the presence of a holy God. You don't start with what the world needs. You start with who God is. You don't start with what you're going to do. You start with who God is. You see yourself for who you are undone. And then you come to God for his way of cleansing. And the Bible says, And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. And thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? I want you to circle this next word, then. You see, most folks go before then. We can't go before then. Well, we might have an urge to go, but we can't go because we don't know where to go and what to do and how to do it and the spirit in which to do it because it can't be done the way God wants it done until we've been in his presence and seen him high and lifted up. The Lord Jesus didn't come with an agenda. He didn't come to say to his disciples, let's have a CEO meeting and get together. I got plans here. You know what the Lord Jesus said? Listen to it. This is so clear. Listen to it. He said in John chapter 4 and verse 34, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He said, I came to do one thing, to obey the Father. To obey the Father. I only have one thing to do in this world, and that is to realize God is on a mission already. My little life, listen, my little life is like one split second in eternity even if it were three score and ten, if by reason of strength four score years, it's just one split second in eternity. God was doing something when I got here, and if Jesus doesn't come soon, he'll be doing something through his churches when I'm gone. So what am I to do? I'm to discover God's mission in the world through the local New Testament church and find my place in his mission. I believe our dear people can pray themselves because I believe so strongly the priest of the believer and they can get vision from God. Vision is what God reveals to us. They can find out what God wants them to do. The shepherd should not be driving the sheep. He should be leading the sheep and leading the prey and find out what God wants to do. Oh, you're going to be strong and you're going to say let's go. And that's, that's going to happen because pastors lead churches. Don't mistake that. But the people they lead should be people that have been taught to pray and find out what God wants and they go confidently following their pastor, believing this to be the will of God. We live in a needy world, but we don't look to the world for our marching orders. We just don't. 80 million Americans don't even have a Bible today. I'm praying God will help us start a, a new wave of just getting the Bible in people's homes. I want to. I want to start to try to get Bibles in people's homes. Get them to read the Bible. 80 million Americans don't have Bibles in their homes. Think about that. 80 million. Only two out of every ten teenagers goes to church anywhere. Ten churches a day close in America. Ten a day. The Southern Baptist survey they did about four years ago said we know at least seven a day, the newest things come out, ten a day, closing the doors for the last time in America. We are a land of great need. We're the largest English-speaking mission field in the world. 170 million Americans don't go anywhere to church. We're the third largest mission field in the world. We need a new wave of church planting, soul winning and church planting. We need to reseed this nation with the word of God and soul winning and starting churches. There's no doubt about that. And we need to understand that the church service is not to try to see how many people you can get inside. It's not to attract the people. It's to have a meeting for the perfecting of the saints. That's that's mending and helping mend the holes and building them up, maturing them so they can do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's not some big hullabaloo to try to get everybody to come inside. And if your ministry is built on special events, and I pray to God it's not, then I want you to think if you turn that thing inside out and had laborers going out who were mature in the Lord to do the work of the ministry, to edify the body of Christ, how much more could even be done? You see, I, I happen to believe that the greatest motive is not fear, it's not force, it's not driving. The greatest motive is the love of Christ constrains me. I'll do more following Jesus and fishing for men than I'll ever do any other way. There are many people who fish for men that don't follow Christ, but there's no one who follows Christ who does not fish for men. Isaiah had it right. He said, when I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and when God touched me and forgave my sin, then then I said, send me. Send me. The geography, that's in God's hands. That's in God's hands. Send me. Five precious young people. The best of the best. When I think of Aaron and Darcy Brown, Aaron, Aaron was a fellow who was awarded the Tom Malone Preaching Award for Crown College. The best young preacher we had in Crown College. He and his darling wife, she's the sweetest thing you ever met in your life. Said, Pastor, we just want to go this summer and just serve God together. We've only been married 10 months. We want, we want this to be the greatest sum of our lives to win souls and tell people about the Lord. I still remember praying with them, kissing them. They kissed me. We told one another we loved one another at least three or four times before we left. We embraced him. He was going to the Northwest to start a church. His dad got into his computer after his death, and he found all kinds of brochures about the opening of Crown College West and the first annual Bible conference and all these dreams he had. And he had them. Brad Askew, what a talented, talented young man. Earl Holloway directs our choir as a graduate of Juilliard, in New York City, and he's been in it for 50 years. He said, it's the most talented musician I've ever seen in 50 years. He was training him to take over so much of the music in the college. He said, Pastor, I know you need me at church this, this summer, but I, 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 I'm I a member here, I know, but I just want to travel one last summer. If you'll just please let me go. I believe it's God's will. I said, Brad, I need you here, So He said, we took him out to eat Evelyn and I. He said, if you'll just really pray, I'd love to go. I just believe God wants me to go. David Childers, wide open. Two brothers already been there. I mean, most of the girls says the most handsome fellow ever came to our school, but he was... As beautiful inside for God as he was handsome on the outside. One of the most gifted young men. Never met a stranger. Matter of fact, a fellow came to the memorial service. He said, you don't know me. Nobody here knows me. But I would pulled out of a parking lot at a restaurant. and had my private papers on top of my car. Legal papers. And they blew everywhere. And lo and behold, sometime later, a young man pulled up to my house. He saw it happening. He found me, found my address, and brought them all to me. I found out that was David Childers. That's just the kind of kid he was. And Johnny Pinkerton, two sisters and a brother already graduated from Crown College. Johnny was on fire for God, a youth director. He's in our Bible clubs. We have 30 Bible clubs in 30 different public schools. We started that years ago, and it's been... Model across the country in public schools, we have over a thousand kids a year saved in the public schools and Bible clubs. Johnny was awarded the most outstanding leader in the Bible clubs this past year among our college students who were working with our church members in those Bible clubs. We had a big banquet and they recognized his great work. The big thing was he had outdone his own brother, who had been in the same club years before. Oh, he was on fire for God. He wrote his mother and dad and said, "Jesus is all I want to live for. My whole life I want to give to doing anything God wants me to do." And those precious kids going down the road in central Florida, just a few minutes from where they were going to go, sing and testify to a group on the off day they had. It's the only day to get by there. They drove nearly five hours out of the way to get there to meet a group of 15 teenagers who had gotten together to church just to testify and talk to. They said when they found the precious remains of their bodies, they were all in the front. They said, why in a 15-passenger van? Why in a 15-passenger van were they all in the front? And immediately when the coroner told us that, we all knew. They were learning a new song, and they were all up near the front. We found a little piece of music stuck in the dash. It was nearly burned up, but we saw the title, All the Glory Belongs to Jesus. I'm confident they were singing that song huddled around Aaron driving and Darcy in the passenger seat, and the other three of them making that quartet there. And she was the piano player. They were up near one another, harmonizing, singing, practicing that song to get to that church. And in an instant, in the presence of Jesus, a police officer called me and said, "A miraculous thing. I'd say miraculous." He says, "Everything's burned. We couldn't identify what was here. The bodies are burned beyond, beyond recognition. But we found we found." a CD, a tape, a plastic, a plastic tape CD unharmed in that wreckage. I said, what's the title of it? He said, God makes no mistakes. Now, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I've told that so many times, but it's never academic to me. These kids were going anywhere God wanted them to go on fire for the Lord. You know why? You know why? Not because it was a thing to do, but because they had seen the Lord high and lifted up. And the God they saw, they gave their whole life to without reserve. You want to get people to do something for God? Help them to see the Lord high and lifted up. High and lifted up. When we see God, the Lord, high and lifted up, we'll give Him all our lives. We'll see ourselves in who we are. It'll give us clarity on other things that we need to adjust. The clearer our vision of God, the clearer everything else will be. We cannot worship God to any greater extent than the vision we have of God in His greatness. The Lord, high and lifted up. If we need a revival of anything, it's our vision of God that we need revival in. No wonder Paul could say in one of his most distracting, persecuting people after him, Alexander the coppersmith, the Lord of order according to his works. What? That's all you're going to say? Oh, yes, because I see the Lord high and lifted up, and all these other things are meaningless in the sight of God. I can just say the Lord will take care of him because of what I see about God. How many things we let bother us, and they wouldn't even bother us if we saw the Lord high and lifted up. I'm not finished. These kids were going across America. I want you to listen to about three minutes of their song, and then I'm going to finish with a prayer. But I want you just to listen, if you'll play it now. This is David Childress and that quartet singing. They won't sing again here, but they're singing somewhere. They're singing right now, and I'm going to be real quiet. And I want you to listen to five of the most precious kids that ever drew a breath of God's air.
1: homes in America to cross the ocean do. We need more preaching in America for Jesus is God To go to every land, to the islands of the uttermost, to find forgotten men. But the most forgotten mission field is within our country. does.
0: you listen. There are preachers here that need to say, I've been discouraged, wiped out. Wives, mothers. All you need, all you need is a vision of God high and lifted up. And you'll know he can take care of your boy. He can meet the need in your church. He can answer the prayer that needs to be answered. It's the Lord high and lifted up we need. God can do it. When we see him as he is, no doubt about it. We don't know what to do until God shows us himself, ourselves, and then our vision of serving him. I want us, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, to stand quietly just for a moment. I promised the Lord every opportunity I had to share the ministry of these young people. I would share it simply because when we die, we don't get our rewards. The rewards at the judgment seat of Christ are at just that. And these boys and girls are still being rewarded. I wonder how many preachers would say, I want to come and pray, ask God to help me. I need to see the Lord high and lifted up. Just make your way. I need to see the Lord high and lifted up. This is it the Lord high and lifted up. Preachers, I need discernment. I need to make some decisions about things. If you see the Lord high and lifted up, we're going to sing, take time to be holy in just a moment. Speak off of thy Lord. See the Lord high and lifted up. Some Some of you are going to know God wants you to start a church, plan a church. The Lord wants you to go back and make some adjustments in your church. He wants you to begin your meetings when you come together with the Lord high and lifted up. May God help us. May God help us.